Okay, so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be a community and how our church can take the next steps in developing even deeper community within the church. How do we develop a stronger, deeper, more intimate community within the body of Christ that really we call Grace Chapel? And why is this so important? Why is it so important that we're doing a whole series on this is my community and how we can build community, how we can come together? I think if you think about it, um, over the past 30 or 40 years, the social bonds in our culture have been slowly eroding. People are, are not as involved as they used to be in, a commu- in their communities, in community activities. They participate less in, in organizations. Basically, in groups of every kind, they participate less than they did a generation ago. As each generation passes, it seems that we become less and less involved. And I was reading statistics on how few people are involved in political campaigns. And we can say, well, you know, it's all this corruption, those kinds of things. But people are less involved in in political campaigns. They're less involved in community activities. They're less involved in, in all kinds of things, even within the body of Christ. And by almost every measure, the glue that holds our society together is disintegrating. Whatever, whatever statistic you want to look at, the glue that holds our society together is slowly disintegrating. And I don't want to take any time this morning, really, and talk about all the reasons why that happened. My goal for this sermon is to point out that, that our culture is in a crisis of community. In a crisis of connection, our culture, the culture in which we live, really not all over the world, I think more in the United States, we are in a crisis of community. And the same forces that are causing a crisis in our culture are causing a crisis within the church. Those same powerful forces that are moving to separate people from one another within our society, within our culture, are also affecting relationships within the church as well. That means we need to have intentionality when it comes to investing in each other. We need to, we need to work intentionally to build and maintain community within the body of Christ. It needs to be something that we think about. It can't just be something that we just we hope it happens We hope that it all works out. We hope that we have community. We hope that we have connection. We hope that we have that bonding. If we just hope, it is not going to happen. It needs to be something that we build and maintain. Or the same trends will separate and isolate us from each other. It will happen over a period of time. If the church, like right now, I believe the church is... Is, is pushing against, is going against the current, if you will, of culture. But if we don't start rowing really, really, really hard against the, this, this force of culture, when it comes to a lack of community, a lack of connectedness, we're going to be pushed over the falls. It can't be something that we just leisurely pedal along or paddle along and hope that we're able. It's not going to happen. It will, we will ultimately be pushed over the falls. Now, here's some good news. The good news is that the culture may be changing, but people don't change when it comes to this. People are not going to change. God made us social beings 
And we are still hungry for community. I'm not just talking about in church. I'm talking about in culture as well. People, the society may be changing. Culture may be changing. And I think it has a lot to do. And I'm not going to sit here and beat up on technology. I love technology as much as much as the next guy. But sometimes, you know, I'll see people sitting on the couch, especially in junior high or high school. They'll be sitting next to each other and actually texting each other when they're sitting right next to the person they could actually talk to. But they're texting each other. I find that fascinating. And what's happening is it just kind of slowly erodes. And if we don't do something about it, if we don't stand up and kind of push back a little bit, then it's going to continue to erode. But here's again, here's the good news. Though our culture may be changing, human nature in this area is not. People are hungry for community. They're hungry for connection. And as God's people care about each other, and as we express our love for one another, it will draw people outside of the church closer to Christ. As, as the world slowly erodes when it comes to community, when it comes to connectedness, when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to relationship, as that slowly erodes, but people are still the same where they want that kind of connectedness, they want that kind of community, they want that kind of intimacy and relationship with other people, as that erodes, it will stand out when it happens within the church as we care for each other. As we encourage each other, as we support each other, as we love each other, that will draw people into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Because what they're going to see and what they're going to realize is that it's our relationship with Jesus Christ that draws us into deeper and more intimate relationships with each other. They're going to see the connection between our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with Christ and how we relate to one another, how we connect to one another. This morning, I'm going to look at, we're going to look at the power of encouragement in strengthening the bonds of love that we have within the church. That's what I want to look at. How, how, do we, how can we strengthen the bonds of love and community within the church? Because it is, it is one of the most, in the top whatever, most powerful forces on the planet When it comes to connecting and the encouragement, how encouragement can connect us to one another and how it allows us to move forward and impact the lives of the people that are all around us. In first Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, the first thing you need to do is ask yourself what it's there for. When you see therefore. Ask what it's there for. Okay, I'm not kidding. That's what you do. It says therefore. And you say, okay, why is he saying therefore? What, it, what is it there for? And you'll read earlier on, Paul is talking to people and he's telling them that the, the end is drawing near. The end is, is, is drawing near and the world is changing and we need to be prepared. So he says we need to encourage one another and build each other up as the world winds down, as the end times come. He's saying this is really, really, really important for us to do, because as 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 culture changes, as society changes, as it becomes more and more difficult to live within the world that we live Paul is saying we need the encouragement of each other to keep us moving forward, to keep us strengthened and built up. I want you to notice something else in in this passage. 
encouragement and building others up does not seem to come naturally. Paul has to instruct them to do it. It's something that doesn't really come natural to us. You know what comes natural to us? And I think you'll all raise, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. What comes more natural to me sometimes, and I would consider myself an encouraging person and a positive person. People, my wife used to say, you know, the whole world could be on fire. And you'd say, well, what a pretty color. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I do. I have, I'm, I'm more of the positive thinking person. The glass, is, the glass is half full and all that kind of thing. But I find myself being easily caught up in conversations that are negative or I saying things that are negative. It just kind of flows out of us, doesn't it? You sit down with someone and you're trying to be positive and someone just kind of leads you off and you start talking negative. And I'm not talking just gossiping and ripping on people or things like that. That's part of it. But I'm talking about how easy it us, how easy it is for us sometimes to just let negativity flow out. Oh, man, this is so tough and I can't believe that. And the government's this and this and this. And you watch the news and sometimes you're just so discouraged and distraught about it all. And it's just so negative. It's just it's just comes natural. Encouragement, on the other hand, is something sometimes that we have to learn. And as we grow, as we get older in our faith, as we grow up, if you will, in our maturity, we begin to realize how important it really is. And I, I, I found an article in Bits and Pieces that I thought was very interesting. The Duke of Wellington, the British military leader who defeated Napoleon at, at Waterloo, was not an easy man to serve under. He was brilliant, demanding, and not one to shower his subordinates with compliments. Yet even Wellington realized that his method left something to be desired. In his old age, a young lady asked him what, if anything, he would do differently if he had his life to do over again. Wellington thought for a moment. He replied, I give more praise, he said. I give more praise. See, as we as we as we get older, we start to realize what's really important and we start to realize that, you know, some of the ways we live our lives and just, you know, being that rough and tough and tumble kind of person or not being able to give out compliments is, is, is not a, a strength. It's actually a weakness. And he realized that encouragement for most people is something that we learn to do. You know, we need to be encouraged, if you will, to be encouragers, to give people their due. To look at the whole, like if we look at our church and we say, well, look at, look at Grace Chapel. The Grace Chapel's growing. We have these business tree things and we have, you know, we, we do all these different things around the world and blah, blah, blah. And then people, you ask someone, well, who's responsible for that? The older you get, the more you realize it's, you know, the finger doesn't really point at you. You start to look around and see other people and all that they have done to impact this church, to impact different ministries that we're involved in. And it becomes more enjoyable as you get older to to look around and start giving compliments where compliments are due, giving people their, their just deserve, if you will. And so that is something we need to learn to do. But then the question is, why is it so why is it so important? Why should we why should we why, why is it worth the investment of our time, our energy, our effort? Why is it worth it for me to stand up here and tell you encouragement is so significant? We should learn to be more encouraging. We should just you know, we should put it on our calendars to encourage someone, whatever the case may be. Why is it worth the investment of our time and our effort? If time is running short, why would Paul make this a priority? Time is short. 
you know, time is drawing to a close. So time is drawing to a close. The end times are coming. But Paul then makes encouragement a priority. Why? Let me share a few thoughts. Number one, encouragement helps us stay strong in our faith. It helps you and I stay strong in our faith. In case you haven't noticed, life is hard, right? I mean, there's no one here who's lived long enough to past three or four years old to realize that life is hard. The Christian life is filled with challenges. That's who Paul's talking to here. He's talking to believers. He's saying encourage each other and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. Keep doing this. I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you. I'm commanding you. Keep encouraging one another. Why? Because the Christian life is hard. You're being persecuted many times in school. At work, you're, you know, you're the person kind of sometimes on the outside looking in because you don't go along with everything that they're saying. You won't go to the same places they go to. And so you feel that. And Paul's saying we need that encouragement. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? But then he also tells us that we need to be willing to deny ourselves. He says, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself. You need to sacrifice. You need to take up your cross, he said, daily and follow me. That is not an easy thing to do. That is difficult. That is challenging. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ, he said it plainly. It's basically an all or nothing situation. This is an all or nothing proposition. Jesus wants us to be in all the way. We need to be willing to sacrifice. If that's true, then we need encouragement from one another. If Jesus is saying, hey, it's an all or nothing situation here. I want you to take up your cross daily and I want you to follow me. I want you to give it all. If that's the case, then we need each other. We need encouragement from each other. We need to build each other up. We need to strengthen each other. You can't just think about yourself. You have to think about the people around you. Because alone, even if one person is strong, they're not strong enough to do what God is calling us to do. So if God is calling us to to take up our cross daily and to follow him and to sacrifice, if that's true, then we need encouragement from one another to stay strong, to keep running, to finish the race, to never give up. And that is really hard as we get pounded and pounded. It was funny, even this morning in first service, some of you I said in the very beginning, we started the first service and I'm going to talk about encouragement this morning. And I want to be encouraging when I talk about encouragement, right? And what happens? The mic is clicking and banging and carrying on. So I stop and I change to a different mic, a handheld mic. What could go on with that? Clanging and banging and carrying on. I basically had to turn it off and preach without a mic. But you know what? Through the first part of it, I'm thinking to myself, this is so annoying. Why is it clacking and it's going to disturb people? And I can't concentrate and I'm getting messed up. And I'm thinking, and all of a sudden it struck me, wait a second. I'm not very encouraged. I'm feeling discouraged. How can I preach on encouragement when I'm being discouraged? So I I said, turn it all off. I don't care if we have to turn the lights off. Shut shut down all technology. And I just spoke like they did in the old days. You know what I mean? I just spoke. I said it louder. I'll probably lose my voice by the end of this service, but I don't care. And we had a phenomenal time. You know why? Because I didn't allow the enemy 
to rob me of my joy. I didn't allow the, the enemy to rob me of my encouragement and what God had spoken to me all week long. It was going to be taken away. We have to encourage each other. It was amazing to watch people react to what I was saying and just the just the fun amens and people just got into it. It was it was it was enjoyable. We turned it around because because you encouraged me, if you will. And when I felt that encouragement, I just kept on going and I made it even more enjoy. I got I was even I enjoyed it even more. Encouragement is a powerful tool that God uses to keep us going, to keep us moving forward. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, it tells us, Encourage one another daily. How do we do that? We need to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness encouragement, I'm telling you, and you may not think about this all the time, but encouragement, I I, I promise you, is one of the most powerful influences on the face of the earth. I I took a group of high school students on a, it was probably a whitewater rafting trip. And as we're going down to West Virginia, wherever we were going, we, we stopped off. I don't remember exactly the trip, but I remember this. We stopped off at a park and we thought, let's just go hang out at the park and we can, you know, we can spend time at the park. And at the park, there was a little league game and we looked up at the scoreboard and it was like 15 to nothing in the second inning. These poor little leaguers were getting just annihilated. So we thought to ourselves, we got together, we thought there's about 60 of us and we thought, let's cheer for the losing team. The team that's losing 15 to nothing. We all piled in the stands. Parents were kind of looking at us. And, you know, all the parents were like, oh, when is this going to be over? You know, it was kind of hot. And your kids are getting slaughtered. And they probably got slaughtered every week. You know what I mean? And you're like, hey, Johnny, you know, hit the ball for goodness sake. You know, please. And so the first kid gets up. And the parent, one parent just said, come on, John, you can do it. Well, we, now we knew his name. And it was like, John, 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 John. And the kid looks up in the stands, it was like a stadium of people just screaming his name. And at first he was like dragging his bat, like, oh my gosh, my father makes me play baseball, you know. <laughs> and he, you know, he got up there and we were chanting, John, his arm went up, boy, he was, he was starting to laser in. He was getting excited and they were younger too, so they didn't hide their enthusiasm by you cheering their name, cheering, cheering them on. And so we did that player after player. We come up with cheers. We were screaming. We were whistling. We were carrying on. You could see, you could see the transformation in the dugout. They started to cheer for each other. It was, it was that domino effect. We were cheering for them. And the kid would get up to bat. And before they were all sitting there just like in the dugout. No one was doing anything. Kid get up to bat. And they're like, well, it's going to be another out. And now they were on the railing. They were yelling to each other. Come on, Pete, you can do it. And we're like, now we knew his name, Pete. Pete, Pete, you know, smack it out, Pete, you know, you rule, baby, come on, Pete. They started catching up. And the parents started enthusiasm, that domino effect. And the parents, they started getting more vocal with their children. They were laughing at us and they were, everybody was having a great time. And except the other team, they were like really discouraged. <laughs> no, they were still winning. But we tried to cheer for everyone. We were cheering for the other team. And then the coaches were being more vocal. They were coming out of the dugout and they were doing their thing and everybody. And it was, it was incredible to watch the transformation that was happening in that, in that one, that one environment 
that one situation, that one situation, the team that was losing ended up losing the game. It was the greatest loss in the history of baseball. We got on the field and with 60 of us holding our arms out, they're running through like they just won the World Series. You know what I mean? They did, the other kids had won. They felt like they lost. Like, didn't we win the game? Those kids were like, yes, running through, high-fiving us and everything. It was, I guarantee you, I've never, I've never heard from those kids or never seen them again. Not our kids, but the kids we cheered for. I guarantee that's the story they tell for the rest of their lives. Remember that game when we were in, they didn't care. They didn't care if they lost. They didn't care. All the wins they'd ever had in their little league careers or whatever else, did, well, I guarantee you will not match up to that one loss. They lost by a few runs, but it was a victory. Why? Because we encouraged them. They loved it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anyone, any one of us, any of us can make it through this life without the encouragement of some people around us. You don't need 60. It'd be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if you were like at work and 60 people like, come on, you know, get, you can get it done, baby. You have to, you know, you can do it. Write that report, 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 report. You know, <laughs> no, yes. You know what I mean? You get up there and someone just says something really great. Man, I'll tell you what, you draw on that whiteboard like no one I've ever seen before. It just fires me up when you write on the whiteboard. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm the best whiteboard writer in this whole company. We want that. We like that. We need that. And we need it from each other. And again, you don't need 60 people doing it, but you need people around you who are going to encourage you. Our children need encouragement for their accomplishments. I love this tiny little story. I read a story about a little boy who said to his father, he said, Daddy, let's play darts. I'll throw and you say, wonderful. Isn't that cool? I'll throw the dart and your job is to tell me how wonderful I am. Also, wonderful. I have uh, 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 six grandkids and my oldest grandson, Ollie, his his love language is words of encouragement. So they went on vacation this past summer. And when they got back, I was here at church. The first time I saw Ollie was here in the foyer. So he comes up and he says, Pops, I've, you know, I've, 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 I haven't seen you. And he gives me a, a big hug and, we're, and I'm holding on to him. And, and he takes a step back and I'm on my knees and he looks me right in the face. And he says, Pops, did you miss me? Did you miss me? And I was like, and he wanted to know, not just, hey, good to see you. Did you miss me? And I said to him, Ollie, it was like the worst week of my life without you, man. This was terrible. With you, without you here, it was just a terrible week. But now you're back. He loves those words of encouragement. He was doing something phenomenal, which my grandkids always do phenomenal things. They're always doing something just amazing. You know what I mean? Genetics, you know what I'm saying? How it's passed down through them. Yeah. And so they're doing something amazing. And he, he finishes what he's doing. He turns to Jen and he says, Mommy, tell me I'm a genius. Tell me I'm a genius. You know, I mean, don't wouldn't you like your boss? Wouldn't you? You know, you you know, you love your boss when you're done with your presentation and say you're a genius. You are just a, you would just want to say to them because we're just children at heart, aren't we? Hey, boss, tell me I'm a genius. You know, tell me I'm a genius. You want your wife to tell you you're a genius if you're a guy. You're just amazing. I was sitting on the couch the other night. We were watching the Weather Channel and it's like, would you survive? I love the would you survive things. And it was like five different scenarios, and they laid them all out before they told you what you do. And I looked at Josh, and I said, I'd survive all five of those things. He goes, oh, we'll see, we'll see. 
All five of them, baby. I had more ideas than the people on TV had. And I, and I wanted him to say, I wanted, you're a genius, Dad. Dad, you're a genius. We need that encouragement from one another. We need each other. It, life is hard and you need a cheering section. And this is the cheering section. We need to cheer each other on. As you read through your Bible, you know what else you find? The disciples needed encouragement from each other. They needed encouragement from the church. They needed encouragement from the people around them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says this, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Encouraging the church. We, the disciples needed encouragement and they were encouragers. In Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22, we read this. Paul and Barnabas preached the good news in, this, in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to their faith. Encouraging, encouragement. They went through all kinds of hardship and they needed encouragement. In Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, it says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't care who you are. You need encouragement. I don't care how independent or how whatever individualistic you say you are. No one survives this world without encouragement. And most people are harmed and their lives have gone on the, on, in the wrong way. They're on the wrong path because probably someone has discouraged them at some point in their lives. You think about it. Why would the New Testament put so much emphasis on encouragement? Why would it waste so much time talking about encouragement if it wasn't that important? It is that important because encouragement is one of the most powerful tools on this planet. And that's number two. Encouragement is God, one of God's most powerful tools. It's what God uses to strengthen us and keep us moving forward. Mark Twain said, I love this, I can live two months on a good compliment. I can live for two months on a good compliment. Now, ask yourself, when someone compliments you, how do you react? What do you, what, what do, you do? When, someone, when someone compliments you, how do you respond, if you will, when you receive a compliment? Well, first, you store it in your heart. Every one of us. If someone, says, someone gives us a true compliment, encourages us, we store it in our hearts. And then we go over it in our minds. We think about it. Someone said something very kind or, boy, you're so good at you really encourage me because I, I learned so much from you because or whatever the case may be. Thank you so much for the time that you and that we, we, we go that over it in our minds. Then what do we do? We tell the people closest to us. We tell the people that we love what the other person said. Why do we do that? Because encouragement is so powerful. It matters to us. We care about what people say. Someone on the way out said, I heard all my life, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And they said, that's a lie. And I said, that's a big fat lie. Okay. Honestly, not what you agree or disagree with me, but I think 98% of you in this room will agree with me. Would you not be, would you not someone rather hit you with a stick? Okay. A couple of times. I would rather have someone hit me with a stick than say, 
awful words to me. Amen. Absolutely. You hit me with a stick, I'll get over it. The bruise will heal. The wound will go away. Even if you hit me really hard, I get a couple stitches. Big deal. Ouch. That goes away. Ooh, my leg hurt back then. Now I don't even think about it. You say, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yes, they do hurt me. I, you remember things that some. You remember what your teacher said to you in third grade that was discouraging. You remember what your parents said to you. You should be more alike, or you're never going to amount to anything, or whatever else. You'd have rather gotten beaten with a belt than have your father say that to you. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me is the biggest lie the world has ever told. People care about what is said to them. Words are powerful. Encouragement is powerful. Words have a domino effect on our lives, either in a positive way or in a negative way. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. Reckless words pierce like a sword. That's truth. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. That's truth. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Process through this with me for a moment. You are more powerful than you could have ever imagined. I don't care who you are this morning. Youngest person in this room. Oldest person in this room. You are still so powerful. You are, so, you, are, you are powerful beyond what you could have ever, ever imagined. Your words can set someone's life on, an, on a path. It's a life-altering path. Your words can set someone on a life-altering path for good or for evil. That's how powerful you are. Your words can lift someone's spirit. They can heal someone's emotions. That's how powerful they are. Our words are powerful. Why would we waste so much power and not use it for good? Why would we take this power? What a waste. What a waste to have so much incredible power and to not use it for good. Think about that. That's why Paul is instructing them. Encourage one another and build each other up. Here's some more good news. When you encourage someone, God encourages you. When you encourage, when you give that encouragement, God in some way will encourage you. When we comfort others, we ourselves are comforted. So when you speak truth, when you speak love, when you speak care, when you speak compassion into someone else's life, that will come back to you. You question it? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. God will bring back to you. God will give back to you in that area what you give out. Again, think about it. It's the domino effect. I pour into someone else. They, again, God, in this case, pours into me. God pours into me with encouragement. God pours into me with his comfort. So when I give it out, it's poured out. And when you give it to others, they give it to other people as well. It's that domino effect. So let me, let me, let me share a few ways that we can encourage each other, okay? Um, sometimes encouragement doesn't come just through our words. It comes through our silence, believe it or not. It comes through our silence. Sometimes encouragement comes from you just listening to someone. 
Someone needs you to listen. My wife taught me this um, when we were engaged and she was going to she had, she had gone through some challenging times in her life and she was sharing some of those things. But she was sharing with me how she was feeling about it. Certain times in her life, she will. She said, I, I just feel a certain way and it's just how I'm feeling in my heart. And and I'm a man. So what did I try to do? I try to fix it. I said, let me give you three things that you can do not to feel this way anymore. <laughs> Certainly want to marry me, right? Because I can give you three ways to, to not feel that way anymore. And she in love just basically told me, there's not a thing you will ever be able to do to make me stop feeling this way. But she said, what you can do is listen to me. Just sit here next to me and listen to me and just be, be with me. That's one way we can do it. We can just encourage each other by listening to the other person, by feeling what the other person is feeling and just being engaged in their lives. Another thing I think that really works, I'm a hugger. I hug people. And so sometimes I'll hug people on the way out and someone will say, man, I really needed that. And so I'll hug them again. I'll give them two hugs. You know, if you really needed that, then I'm going to give you a second one. I don't have to say a word. Just the fact, you know, we we've, we're losing this in our culture and sometimes for a good reason, because we are wacky folks out there. But, you know, human connection, human touch, appropriate physical touch is so important. It is so important. That's why people say I really needed that because you never know. No, never how you never know how long a hug has to last someone. Right. I had a, I had a, a young man standing out here in high school. This is about seven years ago, and I gave him the biggest hug. And he said, he turned back with tears in his eyes. He looked at me and he said, you have no idea how long it's been since someone hugged me like that. Probably, I don't know, maybe he can't remember. Physical touch, appropriate physical touch is a way to encourage others how about when you go and are, are participate in someone's event or game or activity that no one else is going to? You ever been to a, uh, a freshman volleyball game? It's all nine people there. Hey, you know, there's more people on the, on the play than there is watching. You know, what I mean, I'm no offense to the freshman volleyball players. Uh, I'm just using it as an example. I'm sorry, because you, you really, you know, a lot of these games, seventh grade this or fifth grade that, you know, only the parents are there. But you know what? You go to that game. I've been to games in Massachusetts. I went to a soccer game. Deb and I went to a soccer game one time, and it was cold and it was rainy. It gets cold in Massachusetts early. And they were playing soccer, and it was disgusting outside. It were frostbite. All the parents stayed in the car. You know what I mean? They were just waiting for their kids to be finished. You know what I mean? Reading something. Deb and I out there. Yay. Yay. You know, we're like dying. What an impact that had on their lives that we would stand out on that field and cheer for them. It spoke volumes. It is important. It is so important that we communicate with our actions and with our words, that we invest in people, we love them and we care about them, and we express that through our actions, through our words, through our attitudes. You know, 93% of communication is nonverbal. So you can encourage people nonverbally just by your presence. William Arthur Ward wrote this. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I'll never forget you. And that's the truth. When you encourage someone, they never forget you. Think, uh, think about this. I think one of the most powerful um, ways to encourage people is, comes from Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Here's what I mean. 
We need to engage. Jesus is not an outside observer of our pain, but a participant with us in our pain. Right? We need to live that out in our lives. We need to live that out in our lives. We need to not be the kind of Christians who throw verses from a distance. All things work together for good, brother. Hang in there. But you don't engage in what they're going through. You don't feel what they're experiencing. We need to experience that. We need to experience what the other person is going through. We need to enter into their suffering. We need to feel what they're feeling so that we give verses to them. It's with a a holding of the hand. It's with hands laid on through prayer. And they feel that we're engaged in what they're experiencing. That's how we need to live our lives. We need to engage those people. We need not to stay on the sidelines. We need to take risks and step out. We need, we need to be the kind of people who encourage with the, that kind of passion. Enter into what they're going through. And the only way we can truly do that is to be connected to one another. We need to be connected. On your seat, there is a whole list of life groups. There are new ones that are started. There's a bunch of new ones that are starting that people can get involved in. I want you to look at those. I want you to take those home. I want you to fill out that card. I want you to connect Intimately connect with the body. How are we going to know how to encourage someone if we don't know them? How are we going to intimately get involved in what they're going through if we're not intimately involved in their lives? We need to love each other through all the challenges of life. I want to encourage you with all of my heart, with all of my heart to get involved in a life group so that you can connect with people and encourage them on that level. Encourage someone who maybe has gone through a loss Right. Here's what I want you to do. I gave you those. Everybody have those um, those dominoes. Right. I want you to take that domino out outside in the foyer. There are Sharpie markers. And if you write on that with a Sharpie marker and then blow on it a little bit, it'll dry pretty quickly. and It'll stay. It really works well. I want you to think about someone you can encourage and I want you to give them that. Maybe it's someone who's gone through a loss. Maybe it's someone whose dream is, is kind of like they, they're not, they're just, they need that encouragement to keep following through with their dream to not give up. Maybe it's someone who just needs to hear God loves you. Maybe it's you as a child needs to tell your parent, thank you. Thanks for all that you do for me. And maybe be a little more specific. Maybe it's your favorite verse that you write down on there and you wait for God to give you the opportune moment to hand that to someone. You give it, you bring it with you in your pocket to work. You have it with you. And then when the opportunity to Rises, you give it to someone. Here's, here's something else. When you go out here, there's, there's, there's markers in the foyer. There are about a hundred of them out there. I want you to take it out there. Before you leave, just kind of write on it. Or you, maybe you can do it at home, but the markers are out here in the foyer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write something that's encouraging to someone else, and I want you to give it to that person. If it's general enough, I want you to encourage that person maybe to give it to someone else when they see the opportunity. So we have this domino effect of encouragement. I'm going to buy another 500 dom- We're going to buy another 500 dominoes. We're going to put them in the back wall in a box or something. And each week through the series, I want you to take them out. And if you can think of someone who needs encouragement, write something out and give it to them. Whether it's here or at work or at school, it doesn't matter. Let us be a church that encourages and encourages people to use those to encourage others. That's why I want to get more so that you can use them. God can change this world. God can change the people's lives around you. What they need is your encouragement. We need to encourage one another and build each other up as we go through the challenges of life. Watch what happens when you do this. 
watch the impact it will have on people's lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come here today and encourage one another. I just pray, Lord God, as we write these out, as we take these dominoes, that it would be a domino effect, Lord God, that we would give it to someone and they may give it to someone else, that we would spread these out, Lord God, and just in some small way impact the lives of the people around us. Maybe in a profound way, we want you to impact the lives of the people around us. We love you. We praise you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We will see you tonight at 6 o'clock back here. It is going to be amazing.